0: Good morning. We're in part five of a six part series, Streams in the Desert. I get the opportunity to talk to you guys on part five. Yay! I feel like we should be clapping for Peggy. So when I started my journey with God, I had no idea what I was getting into. When we talk about a desert, that was my life. That was my mind. And that was my spirit. So when I went to Next Step five years ago, In two weeks, I decided to do the freedom group that everyone's doing right now. Super exciting. And there was a gentleman who prayed for me up here. And what he prayed just clicked. It seems like we have these anchor points with God throughout our walk that define us. But what I think happens pre-Christ, or maybe before we give certain parts of our life to God, is that sometimes they're kind of the lies we believe that start to define us. But what he said that day, when I was distraught, I was three months sober, almost on the dot. And what he said was, seek the kingdom of God first, and all these things will be given unto you. I didn't know what all the other things were, and honestly, I did not care, because what I was doing was not working, but I, what I did was, is in that, I was standing right here, and what I did was, in that moment, I planted my feet, and I held on to a promise, and I didn't know that what I felt was actually the Holy Spirit telling me, oh, I have you, I have you, and I've held on to that. And that's been my anchor ever since. One of them. So, the streams of the deserts coming out of Isaiah 35. This was written 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah the prophet, discerning what God was telling him, giving it to the Israelites. But when I started reading through this about a month ago, I noticed Isaiah 35, 4, where it says, Say to those who are fearful hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and he will save you. And then I started to think, maybe I've heard that before. So then when I looked, I thought about Luke 19 where it says, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So just to set up what's happening here, early in my walk with God, I didn't know that what he did with others, he could do with me. I didn't know that the supernatural that is on earth now could even happen. I didn't understand that that song, Same God, we just sung is the same God that rose Jesus from the dead and changed all things, the same God that heals the blind. So then I started thinking through these scriptures in Isaiah 35, is there more Is there more promises that we get to see being fulfilled? Isaiah 35, 5 through 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness. And, name of the series... Streams in the desert. And again, I just keep putting myself back when I was standing here and I was broken and confused and lost when I didn't have an identity, when I lost it in the mix of other things and I saw people around me who somehow had a taste of this God thing and had it together. And when he told me, "Seek the kingdom of God first, and all these things will be given unto you," I trusted a promise from the New Testament back then. And sometimes we think that that maybe doesn't apply to us now. So again, the dumbs will sing, and the excuse me, the dumb sing, and the lame shall leap. Mark seven thirty-one through thirty-five. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the mist of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, to be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosened, and he spoke plainly. So as I'm going down Isaiah 35, I'm seeing all these things that are lining up throughout the New Testament that correlates with 700 years ago in the Old Testament. Isaiah 35:7, The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water, in the habitation of jackals where each lay. There shall be grass with reeds and rushes. John 5, 5 through 9. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. Who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise up, take your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well and took his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. So did not only the parched ground become a pool, like in the Old Testament, but also the man leap like deer's. There was a verse in Mark 10 where Jesus stood and he commanded to be called. And he said, then they called the blind man up saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside the garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive sight. He asked the blind man what he wanted. And Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. When we put ourselves, Andy was talking about, we're creating a space where God can do big things. See, I don't come from a background where I believe in healing. That's, that's new to me. But then we have Arnick, who shares about his sister. When my son was born, and my wife, when my wife was pregnant, the doctors, they're doing a, a screening on her belly. And they say, there's these things called amniotic bands. Does anybody know what that is? It's almost like a tire shredding. And what happens is it wants to connect to the embryo. And don't look it up. It's scary. I didn't know what to do in that place. I was scared. I pulled behind my shop, and I sat there, and I started researching, and I started weeping like a baby. I drove as fast as I could here. My only prayer was, God, please don't let me wreck, as I cried. I pulled up to the corner of the lot, and I text Deli and I said, are you home? He says, yes. I say, please come outside, and I step, and I embrace him, and I hug him. And I was dry. And then I come in here and I sit back here and our pastor Andy comes back there and just just loves me. At this point in my walk with God, I started to see some crazy things happen. But I still didn't believe that God could do it in my life. I didn't believe that Jesus would do it for me. I thought it was only stories. I thought it was only that story in the newspaper. I thought it was only that thing we see on Facebook Reels. I thought that was it. And I'm walking in my shop for an hour, and I'm praying, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. And God says, whose kid is it? I said, okay, it's yours. I said, do with it what you want felt like Isaac, felt like I was killing my child. But I surrendered my will to God, and I trusted that his way is better. We had to wait two weeks in that space for it to be big enough to see what was going on. We had to see a specialist and wait for them to get in. And when they did the scan, she kind of stepped out for a second. She comes back in, and she said, we don't know what to tell you. But everything's okay. But what happens is when we're hurting and we're broken, we underestimate what happens with God. So when we're in recovery, we're in our addiction, we start to have family problems, relationship problems, divorce, a child we haven't talked to for five years because of that argument. The doubt... Starts to lead to disconnection. Sometimes I don't always put myself in a space where I think God can. I think our human nature is to protect ourselves and to wall ourselves off from that so we don't get hurt. In Isaiah 35, verse 8, it says, A highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. First, what caught me the first time I read that was, the unclean shall not go there. But if you were here for Pastor Arnick's message where he talked about the holies of holies and when Jesus was raised from the dead he broke that veil and now we are clean and we can go into that space. Jeremy, will you throw up the slide with the uh, freedom is the goal? There it is. So the goal... And I believe the goal of Christ in our lives is to glorify himself. The end testimony of every one of us that God wants to do through us is to further his kingdom. I was crying to a grown man, not last Saturday, but two Saturdays ago, saying, if God does this in my life, my biggest fear is is that I don't glorify him. If I take any credit for this, it's not worth it. There's no point to it. So redemption is the goal. We want to be on the path of the redeemed, and he'll keep our way right, even if we are a fool. And it's his promises. Do we not just sing about his promises to us that are the path? So how do we stay on the path? We are in tune with his promises and with the Spirit, so when he whispers those things to us, we can see it. And we can walk in it. And how do you see all of that? With faith. So it's believing, first off, what he tells you. It's believing that when you read the living word of God, that what he's saying and what he's doing is true. And when it touches your heart and he's speaking to you, that he's going to do it in you. That it's not just some guy up here who's trying to tell you that things can be better. That it's not a guy up here who's just telling you that things can be different and changed forever. I thought that the goal of following God was just to believe in him. If I believe in God, everything's better. And I quickly find out that was just the start. See, I think that just because I believe in something doesn't mean I actually know it. So as I start to know God better, I start to understand that he wants these things for us, that he desires the path and to be on the road of redemption. He desires long-term Change for us. I don't stand up and tell you this because he hasn't changed my life. God has delivered me from alcohol. He has delivered me from cigarettes. He has delivered me from multiple things. In a moment of me believing that he's capable of doing it. We all have those things. I believe that every single person in this room has something that they have been redeemed of in their life or need redemption of in their life. And it's easy to feel like we're in the dry land, like there's no streams, like there's no redemption that's available for us. So the question is, is how do we stay on the road to redemption when we find it? I think we need to acknowledge the pain, but focus on Jesus. See, what I see a lot of people doing... I gave my testimony the other day in Clinton. And I see a lot of testimonies, and grateful. We're overcome by the power of a testimony by the blood of the Lamb and the power of the testimony. But what happens is, is we live in that. We start to define it. Oh, I was bad, and I did this, and I did that. But I think what we need to do is acknowledge that. Okay, but I am focusing on Jesus because he's the one that makes the path. And if I give too much power to the past, then I can't see clearly. The door, the key, the, the, the defining of who I am and the lie I used to believe myself still has a little doorway to make things unclear. It clouds the window. It fogs it up. And I don't want to let it do that. So in Joshua 4, it makes me think of uh, in 420 and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan. Joshua set up in Gilgal just to see. Just something to see. So for me... I have a couple scars from my past. Sometimes I have an emotional beat down that makes me who I am today. Sometimes things trigger me differently than maybe someone who didn't go through what I've gone through. Maybe some things that I'm saying today are triggering you differently because of your past or what you've gone through. And those things are okay. But it's just a memento. That's not the main focus. So we acknowledge the pain, but we focus on Jesus. Isaiah 35, 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and singing shall flee away. So what does it mean to be ransomed? Arnak brought that. Arnak told, it it, told us what it means, that he died for us, and that we were made new, and that we we're washed in the blood of Christ. But remembering that's a lot harder, and living in that space is a lot harder. I believe that if you're going through something right now, that God wants to turn that trauma into triumph. Yeah. I believe that God wants to turn your discontent in your season of life, and to the desires of your heart. Because when I first read that, I thought, God will give you the desires of your heart. Because when I thought, seek the kingdom first, and all these things will be given unto you, I thought, oh boy. But no, what happened was, God started to do a change in me. My desires are not the same. The things of the flesh, I like in... Second Peter, where it starts talking about the lust. But it's not lust as in, I lust after someone. It's idols. It's putting things in front of God. But now when I'm centered in Christ, my vision is clear. And when I start to put my own self in the way of that, I can fall off that path of redemption super easily. This weekend, the Freedom Curriculum is the, the worship chapter. And it started talking about corporate worship. And that's part of being why we're here. That's one of the ways that we can stay on the road to redemption. Because I can tell you... So I I, I think that I get paid to see patterns. I I believe that. When I see a pattern of something, we improve on it. And that's what I do. And I can see a pattern that when we stop doing something, when we stop following Christ, when we stop showing up, when we stop trying to better ourselves... It is the perfect chance for the roaring lion that they're talking about in Isaiah 35 to sneak in. But why is that? It's because Jesus isn't the focus. He stops being the focus of it. And it is not easy. I understand we're all busy. We are all super busy. I get it. I remember when I first started my business there was a gentleman, and I was like, man, I'm just so busy. I thought I was just so busy. He goes, yeah, I get it, we're all busy. I was like, Pfft. No, I'm really busy. And then I'm like, no, literally just, we're all busy. Like, we are all extremely busy. And we are just doing our best. We give grace the best we can. The power in the corporate, too, is interesting because sometimes when I can't, when my thoughts clouded, when I'm beating myself up, here comes the power of being in the body of Christ. I wish Mindy was here, Mindy Mason. I was praying the other day and I walked up here I just couldn't couldn't figure something out. I didn't know what this feeling was, this looming feeling. And I got done praying, and I'm I'm talking to someone, and she comes over, and she says, Hey, uh, I just have a word. It doesn't mean anything. Like, to me, I don't want to try to figure it out. It's release. I'm like, okay, got it. She doesn't know I was struggling. But here she comes in, centered in God to keep us on the path. So it's not only us on our own will and our own strength, reading the Bible and praying in the dark that's keeping on the path, but it's hanging out with someone who's been following Christ for 56 years, 56 days, or 56 minutes that can keep us centered on the path and on the road to redemption. See, I don't think God needs our faithfulness to be faithful but I think he desires to use us. And when I said that, oh, he'll give me the desires of my heart. No. The desires of my heart is to be used. The desires of the heart is to be transformed into the image of Christ, that I can be more like him. Life gets easier when your perspective starts to shift. After, Arnick, this is your turn. After my first time at Christway. See, we have different sectors. A lot of times we just want to focus on Christ in my life, Christ in my life. Yes. But have I, sat, have I given this part of my life? When I gave the amniotic bands, the health of my child to God, that is a different part of my life. When I give my finances in my bank account and say I don't care what numbers in here, to God, that is a different sector of my life. My first time to Christ way, I texted Delhi. Everybody knows Delhi's is super friendly. First one you communicate with, you get his number right away. Love it. I texted him. So I went from, I went from listening to. Whiz Khalifa to, like, Casting Crowns, right? Like, totally different. Total, Khalifa Kush, right, to We the People. Totally, totally different. The songs that day, I remember two of them. I remember two of them. One was Your Love Defends Me. I sat there in that spot, and I haven't moved since. I, I don't know why. But I was standing there. Your love defends me. Your love defends me. Your love defends me. See, my wife knows how I get with music. She'll hear the same song every morning for like two months on repeat. I'm like, I just listen to it over and over and over again. But the other song is kind of what hit. I remember being confused because I sat here, and I looked around, and I saw people who were connected to God, who were connected to purpose, who were connected to others, who were connected to Christ. I felt like I was connected to nothing. I felt like my emotions were stripped from me. See, if you knew how I came in, Ron and Dana will tell you, Ron thought I was gonna run or leave, black-eyed, two trash bags. I had no idea what was going on. No idea what was going on. But after Your Love Defends Me was a song called Come to the Altar. And at Next Step, we lived in a house on 7th and Washington, and it's on 6th and Washington. So there's Center Street, and it's two blocks away. And that song came on. And fresh in, I didn't know what else to do besides just listen to what it said to do. And for the first time I decided to do what Mindy's word told me to do back then, release. So when the song came on, I sat there on repeat for probably an hour. It's a five minute song, it was ridiculous. Crying, it was was closed there. I was all alone, hoping no one walked in. Like back then it was like super embarrassing. And it it changed me. It changed me. We don't understand the impact that it has on others watching them worship. I'm going to call Michael out a little bit. Sorry, Michael. But Peggy, Michael told the Freedom Group the other day that when I see Peggy worshiping and she's just laying there on the ground, I get fired up. I get fired up. So you have no idea what God's doing when he's using you. See, because I thought that all the things that God was doing in my life, especially early on, was for me. It's not. It's not. As you start to know me, one of my gauges is would I walk away from everything in an instant? Would I sell my business? Would I pack everything up and put it in my car? And would I leave and serve God if he called me to? I would. Not always. So as Arnick plays the come to the altar song, what's that thing that bubbles inside of you. Even if you've changed, even if you've grown, sanctification doesn't have an end. See, I heard one time, be 1% better every day. After 100 days, I was like, what the heck, I'm still like, angry and upset sometimes and say stupid stuff. But the thing is, is I'm not going to give up on Jesus. Because like when he healed the blind man, the blind man got up, walked, and followed him. And I think that, and I know that, God wants to radically change moments in our life and that we can all experience those moments, moments of physical healing, moments of emotional healing, relational healing forever. And if you don't believe that, I challenge you to have the faith and let God make the change in it. See, because he won't let you down, and sometimes it's a not yet thing. See the desires that I've had a lot of times have been there, right? The desire to own a business I've had since I was like 10, 12 years old, but the maturity was not there. And God had to grow me and he had to change me and he had to mature me because I could not, I couldn't handle these things. I couldn't do justice with it. There's power in cultivating a space for change. Now, I've had moments with God here at 5 a.m. sitting right there where he told me what's going on in five years. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you right where you're at. I've also had moments where there's people surrounded and prayer happening and something changes that way. Sometimes it's the four men getting them to the roof and lowering them down. But what doesn't happen is those radical moments that change your life forever does not happen without a touch from God and without a touch from Jesus. They don't happen by just staying where we're at. They don't happen from being closed off. They don't happen from ignoring the Holy Spirit and saying, I'm I'm fine right here. I'm good. I'm good. Because there's more. May God bless you. And may he change you. And may he grow you. May the spirit inside of you change you forever. May it make you desire things of God. May the things of the flesh be unappealing. May you only be satisfied by the streams of Christ. May you see the desert and the dry lands in your life and have the holy water poured over them. May the ground crack and may it break. In the name of Jesus.